0: I thought you were with me. Hello, fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. This is fourteen twenty, the Watch Clicker Podcast, with your host Andrew and my good friend Everett. Here we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett, how are you? so good yeah so good yeah i mean
1: shit everything's just great it is it's It's tuesday right uh it is okay (laughs) it is tuesday yes yes sir it is uh yeah but i mean i'm good i work today i got some really good stuff done um yeah that's it you have a prius in your yard I do have a Prius in my yard, yeah. Uh, it's a not-so-funny story, but I do indeed I do indeed have a Prius in my yard.
0: Which, it's really lucky that happened when your car wasn't in the driveway.
1: Yeah, no, Kim's car was in that spot. Oh, really? Yeah, like almost destroyed Kim's car, yeah. So, just for you at home, we're like, what the fuck's going on? Uh, my neighbor, my friend, uh, elderly fellow, elderly fellow, uh, just about in his 80s, he uh had an accident we found this out later mm. had an accident fell hit his head uh, which caused bleeding which puts pressure on his brain which has which made him not all that capable about four days after the fall so that exhibited itself yesterday oh. as he drove his Prius into my front yard yeah <laughs> and there that Prius sits because in between his him calling driving his car into my front yard and um, calling AAA, he got towed off to the hospital because his friend came to sort of help him out. And his friend was like, hey, you're, you seem really weird. We should go to the hospital. You just and, crashed your car. And to the hospital they went. And yeah, there was a... a a bit of time where we didn't know what had happened and kind of panicked because we could also tell he was weird. And then he disappeared off the face of the earth and no one told us while his front, his Prius was in our front yard. So tracked him down. Got a hold of his daughter. We're talking. She's flying in tonight, I think. And hopefully going to come get his Prius out of my front yard. He's okay, you guys. That's important. He's okay. The Prius is not going to be so okay. This, I think it's okay. It is high centered <clears throat> on a stump. But I took a look underneath all of the... All of the exhaust looks like it's in one good shape. Uh, I took a look at the axle. It kind of came close to an axle, but the axle looks fine. I mean, looks fine, right? There could be something. It's going to be hard to get it off of that stump without causing it, some belly damage. It's clear. It's clear right now. Oh, so I can
0: hook a toe strap and yank it.
1: Well, I think we need to get that tire. We need to get that tire up. So we're going to do that tomorrow if he, if AAA doesn't come. I think I would much rather AAA or, you know, whoever. Some, some professional do this just because they're going to be if they don't Insure. do it right they're insured that's yeah. right
0: uh but yeah how are you andrew good i are we're, we're in the the last the home stretch as it were of getting our house onto the market uh which meant that today i was up to my nipples in paint and i we had this weird well all the things of this house's additions and renovations have just been weird shortcuts the the people were like ah Close enough. They were very better done than perfect.
1: (laughs) deck Uh, separate,
0: right? And uh, (laughs) so one of them, they, rather than a flush corner of drywall, they just stacked the drywall on top of the other piece of drywall and then put a piece of door trim against it. Fine, fine. Yeah, no, that'll work when you are okay with like three and a half inch door trim. Yeah. (laughs) So, and then they like bonded it so it looks like a continuous piece. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> over the course of doing my bathroom remodel a few months ago, I, I destroyed that piece of door trim on accident. I didn't want to find a new piece. So, I just said, oh, fuck it, whatever. So, it's been without trim. In order to sell this house, I'd like there to be trim up. So, uh, I was looking at that wall today, trying to figure out how to hide the issue. And I was like, fuck it, I'm just going to fix it. So I ripped down a big chunk of wall and re-drywalled today on a whim. Drywall's the worst. It's not pleasant. It's not as bad as grout, but it's not fun. So I've got drywall up and hanging, paint everywhere. I had a very productive day and I still don't feel like I will ever be done. But we're close. We've We've almost got everything done that we wanted to get done. Our photographer's gonna come Friday, I think, take pictures of the house. Is this someone you're hiring yourself or is this our someone, realtor hired a Realtor, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, well, good. Yeah. Uh uh have I told you about my new house that needs
0: absolutely no work? No. <laughs> <laughs> my next house will need no work. Yeah, let's hope so. Perhaps the house next to yours. Yeah, so that that
1: that was interesting. A house came on the market today. It was previously on the market, but the last sale fell through and it's literally a hundred feet away from us. Yeah, house. we could throw rocks at each other. And it's a good house. You guys are going to look at it tomorrow, right? Yeah, we are. We
0: got a showing. Fantastic. So, uh, yeah, that's been my—I mean, that's been my life. I've been like waking up, working, coming home, working, going to sleep, working, just a just a wash, rinse, rinse, repeat of work and work and work. So I'm happy to be here. I'm uh, happy you're here too. Yeah, I'm happy you're here too because today
1: we are talking about watches. Two watches, specific. Well two families (laughs) yeah like like ten thousand watches two families yeah cousins very extended cousins yeah or or perhaps uh Mm. or perhaps like competitors like uh like evil twins Mm. like wario and mario Mm. or perhaps wario and waluigi i think that's uh, that's, uh, i think that's more appropriate yeah how far can we take this uh so as you know, because you've read the tile on your screen, probably, probably. Uh, today we're talking about two movements, automatic chronograph movements, both mm-hmm. of them. I would call them unsung heroes. Uh, and, and I think that's true for one of them more than the other. Uh, but we're talking about the Valjoux ne
0: It's the Valjex.
1: The Valjex ne Eta 7750 and the Lemania. Lemania the yeah. 5100 uh and, and there's there's a good reason there's a good reason we're talking about these two watches because these two movements uh to use the andrew's correction uh because and and that is because i am of the opinion having researched
0: these a little bit that these are two of the greatest movements ever made and and you're not alone in that opinion there's there's cult followings behind both of these movements and so
1: neither one of them the most famous automatic chronograph movement ever. Nope. I, th- I think that that honor probably goes to the El primero
0: hmm. uh, Yeah, I think so. Uh,
1: you know for, for a number of reasons and we'll talk about the El primero a little bit uh, but but these two are sort of the anti-el primeros. These are I don't know what would you what would you say? How would you describe the
0: how these fit in the in the industry? these are the Honda Civic and Toyota Corolla of the industry.
1: <laughs> That's probably
0: perfect. Yeah, workhorses, right? Reliable,
1: cheap, workhorse, moddable, amazing machines.
0: Both of them. Both of them amazing machines. And not a lick of sex to them. Yeah. The sex but... <laughs> we, we generate, right? The the sex That's comes right. with with our attraction to them. There's nothing uh attractive. About them, they are tools. Yeah, they are that's they right. are just
1: bangers, anti-attractive, perhaps yeah. in some
0: ways. Yeah, they. I'm sure they did things like, "Oh, that looks terrible." Yes, yes. <laughs> roll with that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> roll with that. Well, so to tell the story properly, I think we've got to travel back in time. Hit it, as we as we are want to do, as we are want to do on this show. We're going to travel back in time for a moment, uh, and we're going to travel back to a a, a year. A year, one specific year, nineteen sixty nine, and so this is well before either of these movements are a thing, before either of them are a going concern, and that year, nineteen sixty nine, is critical in watches for for a couple reasons. A couple big things mm-hmm. happened in nineteen sixty nine. Um, the first, uh, the first thing that happens is Seiko in May of nineteen sixty nine. Starts using their phenomenal uh, sixty-one thirty-nine chronograph movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that anybody knows, right? Nobody fucking cares because Seiko's Japanese, and they're just not in the conversation. And there's also
0: not internet, so people
1: are slow to find out. That's right. So, so Seiko's got their sixty-one thirty-nine operating, and, and and also sort of simultaneously, simultaneously, we've got Zenith with their El Primero. Famously, first automatic chronograph, quote-unquote. Um, and, and and also, this big sort of uh, chronomatic group, uh, Buren, Hamilton, uh, Breitling, Hoyer, uh, and, and a few other companies, are working on the famous Caliber 11. Uh, and, and, and which one of those came first, the Caliber 11 or the El Primero? I don't think it's super important. Uh, I, I think generally speaking the buren group beats beats them to to market with an actual watch but but zenith is the one who who gets the the headline first or early in the year and really practically speaking seiko beats them all to market but we've got three automatic chromographs that get released that year so so more on that because another really important thing happens in 69 do you know what it is andrew (laughs)
0: <laughs> the very first quartz movements yep. come to market. Uh, Which it, is really interesting that we're that we're seeing a company like Seiko drop uh, a revolutionary movement and think in their big shit about it and then at the same time drop something that kind of makes that first movement obsolete and re- like truly revolutionizes the watch world.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. Two totally different avenues of approach on revolution happening in japan yeah thank you seiko yeah (laughs) uh yeah quartz the quartz crisis is not in effect yet it's building though but it happens fucking quick it happens quick so in 1969 no one knows it's coming maybe some people suspect like oh this quartz thing Uh, but, but really nobody's thinking we're not going to be able to sell an automatic movement in two years from right now or five years from right now or whatever. So we've got these three phenomenal automatic chronographs. We've got, um, quartz movements happening. Quartz watches coming out. Um, both Lemania and Valjou at this time are behind the, behind the eight ball. Mm -hmm. They're late, aware of it and aware of it. Very aware. So they're late in the game everybody's kind of known about this big caliber 11 group because there's too many players involved to keep it a secret Zenith has been you know squawking a lot at least through 69 Seiko's quietly working in Japan but the 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 writing is on the wall automatic chronographs are here they're awesome so these guys are like we need to get moving and so they both start working groups to create movements automatic chronograph movements that will be able to compete in the market and they've got beat to the gun and so they're both interested in doing this in a similar way and i'm not sure if this is marketing genius or if this is just uh plain old market market strategy whatever but they both sort of simultaneously independently decide to develop cheap quick to make
0: super accurate super durable movements right now i think that was that was driven by the fact that they were so far behind the game they didn't have time to do the start everything from scratch development they needed to take something and they needed to get it to market now so take what we have tweak it and let's find a way to get get our heads out of our asses right now
1: yeah i think that's right well and there's another thing happening too here in the 60s right which is that um movements are getting more expensive, right? Mm-hmm. As automation becomes significantly more popular, it, it's it's bleeding into places like watches, which have typically been a non-automated process. And so uh, expensive movements are are relatively more expensive compared to the competition and, and labor on non-automated prices processes is, is going up mm-hmm. too. So there's a, a market, there's a demand for less expensive movements. And in fact, movements that both of these companies are using at the time are less popular because of their price. So mm-hmm. it's incumbent on these guys to a, be competitive and B to make it cheaper. Right. Um, So, both seeking to make these streamlined, accurate, tough, servable movements, uh, and, and and spoiler alert, I, they both generally succeed. Um, yep. They they do so in some similar ways with some obvious differences. I think probably the first thing we do is just take a look at one of these watches.
0: Let's do it. Do you think we start with the seventy-seven fifty? I I think we do, and I think the reason we start there is because we've got one in front of us. We that's true. Well, I have one in front of me.
1: It's a little off to the side for you, but I've got my. Swiss Army F A eighteen. Uh love this watch. It's a chronograph, nobody's ever heard of it. Um I just love it. I just love it. It's a chunk mm-hmm. because it's got a fucking 7750 in it. I think they're fifteen millimeters thick. Uh y- yeah, no, this yeah. this more than fifteen, I think. <laughs> 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 fifteen on a good day. Yeah. Uh yeah, but he's been eating Twinkies. So um I can actuate these now, right? You can, yeah. Okay. I I got it. Uh, I got the movement serviced. Uh, it, it is actuatable So, uh, the seventy-seven fifty. We actually know a lot more about the seventy-seven fifty than we do about the fifty-one hundred. Uh, and and there's one really good reason for that, which is that the seventy-seven fifty a, well, a, it's been in constant production the entire time that the internet has been alive. Mm-hmm. So there's been a lot written about the seventy-seven fifty. People who have researched it. Um, but also, I think it's generally just the more popular of the two movements, at least in commercial circles. Um, and it kind of it go, going back to 1969. Valju's like, hey, what's going on? We're behind, and so they put together a crackpot team, as it were, the A team. Uh, I think it was the available team. <laughs> no, no. So it isn't. So they hire this kid named Edmund Capt. He's 24. He's a total prodigy. He's a computer guy in, you know, 69. Basically, no one knows computers. This guy is uh, way ahead of his time in in terms of his ability to do things on computers. And they say, hey, will you put together a team? He puts together four folks, uh, a, a lady engineer. I, I knew these guys' names at some point, but I don't right now, and it doesn't matter. And they say, you know, we want a non-high beat, just a standard beat, quick to market, quick to build, cheap to build, No column wheel. Mm -hmm. No column wheel. This is important. No column wheel chronograph. We've got some existing designs. We've got an existing uh, 7733 mechanical hand wind movement. And we'd like you to start there because that's an existing module. We'd like you to develop on top of this. So any number of problems are going to come up. But we've got the benefit of computer-aided design now. And, and really, Capt is one of the very first guys who is going to dive into that world, has the knowledge. He's young. He's a kid. He's 24. He's one of the only people in the world that has the ability to do what needs to get done here. valju has got one computer. So he's got to travel from his office to the place where the computer is. He's going back and forth. Um, and he designs, over the course of about two and a half, three years, he designs this first computer design movement. Based on the Valjoux 7733, which... Not even based on, built from. Built from. Yeah. Which is based, which is an evolution of a famous, famous mechanical chronograph movement, the Venus 188, Mm -hmm. because Valjoux had absorbed Venus when Venus went down in 1966. So this watch comes to market in 1973 and, and instantly starts showing up in watches. And it's super popular for about... 18 months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because the bottom falls the fuck out in 1975. And and interestingly enough, the 7750s trajectory parallels that of its more famous sibling, cousin, <clears throat> colleague, the Zenithel Primero. Rival. Rival. So just like the Zenithel Primero in 1975, these watches get shit canned. Mm-hmm. Watches get shit canned uh,
0: because folks do not want to buy mechanical movements. And, and not just shit canned. They told them, they told Cap, just destroy it. Like, get rid of everything. There's no reason to save any of this. Pack
1: it up. Pa- like, not if, just pack, not pack, pack it, up, it up.
0: Pack it up and get rid of it. Burn it. Yeah. Get rid of it. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's not just like. That's that's throw it into the ocean. We've given up. We're not even going to do this anymore. Kind of behavior. We quit. That's, that's for for the brilliance of the my of the business planning going into it. This hiccup was one of the most significant knee jerk reactions I've ever seen, and fortunately for them, he he was a little bit a little bit calm and said, "You know what? We're we're going to put it on a shelf."
1: I think perhaps insubordinate. My suspicion is not calm,
0: insubordinate, loyally so. Yeah, he was making a rational decision. Knee jerk reactions are never right, <laughs> never, <laughs> never. <laughs> so he said, "I'm not going to set it ablaze. I'm just going to put it on the shelf." And 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 there it there it laid and wait. So we're in the midst of the courts crisis. Everyone's packing up their shit. No one knows what to do. Valjou and Edda join in this time. Yeah, because they're like e- enemy of my enemy, right? <laughs> <clears throat> and they're the 7750 sits until... I imagine he had it on the hutch above his toilet in the bathroom.
1: Like all these dies, plans.
0: Oh, yeah. But enter the 80s. So it's a, it's, it's a significant period of time five years, about eight years. Yeah, eight years. That, <laughs> that this is... It's in a holding pattern, but enter the eighties
1: and things. Fanny packs. Turn. Yep, neon neon green sh- jammy jam
0: shorts. Tall hair. Leg warmers. Fuck yeah. Screech. May oh. hey, you rest in peace. oh Oh. <laughs> so enter the eighties, and it's starting to come back. They pull it off the shelf. They dust it off because that's the. Uh, the down spiral now mechanical watches have joined forces and they've started to remarket themselves rebrand themselves as luxury items you want to be cool you got to buy a watch that you got to wind or that'll wind itself not quartz. the public comes back too yeah so 1983
1: Mm -hmm. I imagine they're at a meeting in fact I know I was there Uh, it's a meeting and they're like what are we gonna do we don't have any movements and Edmund Capp comes in. He's wearing a uh, he's wearing a baseball cap backwards. He's got like a, a base one of those ringer t shirts on and a flannel shirt rolled up, sleeves rolled up, mid
0: forearm. The logo on the shirt says seventy seven fifty. <laughs> he's like, "Hey, bitches! <laughs> guess what? Because what? He's now thirty. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: right. Yeah. <laughs> he's thirty one. Yeah. He's got a he's got a joint tucked behind his ear. Uh, he comes in and says, "Hey, guys, look." I got this thing. What do you think? And in 1983, Valjoux reintroduces the 70, 7750 to market, and it explodes. This is quickly and almost immediately the most popular movement on the market.
0: Because it was the only one being mass produced. Mm-hmm. It was the only one that was quick to produce. And, and they, they sort of postured themselves to be purveyors of movements and not just watch production that's that was their whole jam that's right now they're providing other watch manufacturers with their machine
1: and now 40 years later 30 38 years later the valju 7750 is still a going concern it's still in its 7750 stock form found in watches that you can buy on joma shop amazon Mm mm-hmm Harry Richie's jewelers,
0: whatever. For fairly reasonable prices given the technology that's there.
1: Anywhere from about a
0: thousand bucks to significantly more than that. Oh, you can get them and under under a thousand, you can get into them at like five hundred bucks. And the architecture and the arc
1: more and more than that, the architecture that Edmund Capt came up with in the early 70s is still being implemented by other companies. Other companies are taking that architecture and putting their own spin on them. Mm-hmm very very expensive luxury haute horology houses are using that architecture in watches today yeah and it's like the browning machine gun of movements yeah or perhaps perhaps another movement that we're going to talk about later so we should talk about the architecture a little bit we we should yeah we'll we'll need to get into that so i mentioned earlier no column wheel I, yeah, that's right. I mentioned earlier that that was one of the goals is to get rid of the column wheel, and th- and there's a couple reasons for that. W- one is that the column wheel is very expensive to produce. Uh, column wheel chronographs are classic, uh, and other than that, they've got some uh, they've got some some benefits. Right, the the horizontal manner in which a column wheel is laid out is aesthetically pleasing, um, and and they do have a certain functional uh benefit. They, they are snappier. They're clickier. They're generally probably a little bit easier to compress. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 7750 sort of eschews that and gains all sorts of stuff. Efficiency of manufacture. Mm-hmm. Durability.
0: Long-term life. The, you, you do lose the tactile feedback of the pusher push. Yeah, well, not all of it, right? As I've got one here. You, you get it, but you really got to work for it. I don't know if you can hear that. Hold on. Here's. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I don't know. It's like pushing a G Shock button.
1: Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. And and this is an older movement. It probably needs to be serviced. So it's probably a little bit uh, spongy. But but yeah, you don't get quite the same click as a
0: as a column wheel. Which which makes sense because what you're you're not you're not actuating the machinery in in the same way. That's right. It's a it was a wholly revolutionary design to actuate these additional complications.
1: And you know what else Edmund Cap did?
0: Hmm. Plastic.
1: Yeah, plastic, silicone, Delrin, plastics. Right. Look, you guys, we're not playing. We're not playing the jewelry maker sweepstakes here. This is let's get movements into watches that are going to do a job do it for a long time, and do it cheaply. Mm-hmm. Mission accomplished. Yeah. <laughs> like George W. Bush. Yeah. Like George... So, uh, you know, since then, <clears throat> Hamilton, IWC, Breitling, Omega, Frank fucking Mueller, yeah. Hamilton. Um, did I say Hamilton twice? Twice, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and it doesn't stop there. Obviously, Victorinox. Um, you, you know, bull of the big Tiso big yeah. giant brands are using this movement uh, ubiquitous i think is the right phrase for mm-hmm. it but there's another player there's another
0: player and that player is a company called can, can we can we say one more thing no yeah say as many things as the, you want andrew the the winding it's system your show the winding system changed it his whole the, the whole thinking behind it was rather than using a bi-directional winding mechanism which and this is a complaint of the 7750 is it's a unidirectional winding the can we r- talk about the myth of unidirectional winding inefficiency uh yeah and i think it's important that we do for the gears to engage on the rotor of your of, of a of an automatic watch it has to traverse 15 percent of a rotation so 15% of a revolution before it will engage the gears to begin winding, which is, you know, not much, but also <laughs> it's horribly inefficient for to, to add that kind of expense and that kind of technology when it can just rotate in one direction.
1: Yeah. You, you know, there is, a, a, I think, a pervasive idea that that it's less efficient. For unidirectional, and I think that that that's
0: probably the piece that people are missing. Yeah, it has to rotate a lot, fifteen percent of a revolution, in order just just to engage the gears. So, uh, just a twistier wrist that that you know that move that motion to check your watch is not going to wind your watch.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: It's going to take actual. I mean, it, 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 with any automatic winding watch, it takes actual movement to get that rotor spinning.
1: And if you if you know a watchmaker, call them up mm-hmm. and ask them which movement is more efficient, a 2824 or a Miyota 9039? Call your watchmaker friend and say, I wanna know about winding efficiency. Which is more efficient, a 2824, which is bi-directional winding, or a Miyota 9039, which is unidirectional? Which one's more efficient? And the answer, spoiler, the answer is gonna be Miyota. Because it is, right? And 2824 is actually. Uh, a little bit of a cherry picked example, but bi directional winding is not inherently more efficient.
0: No, it's just cooler and
1: it's a way to charge more money for your movement. Yeah, it's some, it's this is marketing speak. Yeah. So, yeah,
0: Edmund Capt says, well, I don't need to, I
1: don't need to wind both directions. Just yeah. give me one. Yeah. yeah.
0: Besides, people are going to shake their wrist anyway, and there's the the balance of that rotor is going to prompt it to spin the right direction. Okay. So now we can move on to Le Magnier. Le Magnier, Le yeah. Magnier. So,
1: at the same time, another Swiss company, a company called Le Magnier,
0: also in ruins right now, right? Because everyone's <laughs> winning.
1: So I think, I think, at the time, Le is owned by SSIH, and they're making watches for SSIH Group, Omega, Tissot, SSIH Group. Manufacturers primarily, mm-hmm. uh, but also on the general market, they're in the same boat. They're in the same boat that that Ed, uh, that Valjou is uh, in 1969. Behind the gun, need a movement
0: under the gun. Under the gun, behind the eight ball.
1: Yeah, something like that. <laughs> behind the curve. I'm not the sharpest bullet in the, in the in the garage.
0: I hope so. Uh, so,
1: generally considered. To have been released in 1978, generally considered. The Lemania 5100 is pretty late to the game. Yeah. Nine years later. Nine yeah. years later. There's a but. Omega is using the Lemania 5100 in watches as early as 1974. Yeah. <laughs> and probably
0: 1973. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, not late to the game at all no they just found an outlet for their movements
1: not late to the game at all yeah we know a lot less about the development of 5100
0: and i think that's because it was it i think omega was involved in the development in some capacity as to make it proprietary
1: clearly clearly they're they're capturing that information a little bit more carefully and maybe for good reason right right Maybe they are weary of competition. They're weary of Valjoux's development. hmm And so they're clearly withholding information in a way that Valjoux didn't, at least long-term. Right. And so we just know less. We know less about how this thing got created. And, and in fact, uh, until fairly recently, probably early 2000s, people did not know that this watch came out in the 73 or 74. hmm they thought this watch comes out in in seventy eight. No, it was living inside some of your favorite speedmasters. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, what's different about these two watches? Um, well, first, first, what's the same? Fifty one hundred. Lots of plastic. Mm-hmm. More plastic than the seventy seven fifty. These guys really liked plastic. They, at every step of the way, are finding innovative, cheap reliable parts. So, you know, for instance, they use this KIF from the KIF company, mm-hmm. a Swiss company, uh, this KIF shock absorber versus the more popular Inca block. They're using uh silicone parts, they're using Delrin parts, lots of right. Delrin. <clears throat> um and, and and implementing these great sort of revolutionary materials into an automatic chronograph. Uh and and, and what they do is they produce probably the most durable chronograph in the history
0: of watchmaking almost certainly yeah and long lasting not just not just actually like violently durable but they they're still on the road
1: they're still on the road yeah indeed and now by the time this comes out the 6139's basically discontinued mm-hmm. permanently and forever the uh, caliber 11 the Breitling group caliber 11 is taken off the market within a year because it's got some problems with the hairspring and overpowered in one direction and underpowered in another and shit keeps breaking El primero obviously we know El primero still going strong still going strong it it like the it like the um 7750 gets pulled in 1973 mm-hmm. 75 excuse me yeah 75 And stored and stored until 1983. Uh, I have the fellow's name, Charles Vermont. A very similar story. This thing gets pulled. Charles Vermont takes all the stuff home. Maybe him and Edmund Capt were on their cell phones and they're like, yo, Chuck, yo, Ed,
0: (laughs) I'm gonna take all this shit home. What do you think? He's like, yeah, I'll do the same. Yeah, we'll keep it safe because they're burning everything right now. <laughs> I got some of these HDX totes $8.99. Yo, I'll drop you <laughs> <laughs> all the tools and CNC machines. And... So, so that'd be a good watch brand story. Stole a bunch of proprietary information and started producing watches.
1: You, you know, Lemania being backed by SSIH has some abilities to capitalize on you know now 6139 is no no longer mm-hmm. uh, 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 in the equation and they kind of were never really in the equation because Seiko's really living on an island but they could also remain in production and eat loss in a way that other brands couldn't exactly right exactly right so the caliber 11 gets pulled and 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 at the same time this you know that that brightling group has sort of evolutions of that but it's kind of not a player zenith has shelved its its movement Uh, Valjoux has shelved its movement. So really, La is the player. They're like, look, let's get in here. So they go to Porsche Orfina Mm -hmm. and they say, hey, you should use our movement in this really cool Porsche Orfina that's previously had the Valjoux 7750 in it. Mm -hmm. They go to all these companies, all these fantastic
0: Swiss companies, and they say, we've got this workhorse automatic chronograph. And these companies who are making workhorse watches that need a chronograph, Zinn, among them, are are like, hey, yeah, let's... We're building military spec watches. We need them to not get destroyed. And they're seeing a big market pump because they filled the vacuum of the need for an automatic chronograph. Nobody else was doing it. And they're building... I mean everyone's using it. The, the the during this time period, the only automatic chronographs are powered by the fifty one hundred. Uh,
1: essentially, right? There, there's some other movements in the game. Uh but but really, this is the player. It's the fifty one hundred, this fat
0: eight point two millimeters thick Lemania fifty one hundred. It's in everything. hmm Omega, Zinn, Hoyer, Orfina. Tutima, F- Fortis. Fortis. Yeah everyone everyone and
1: and so what these companies discover is this movement is fucking incredible it's incredible because of its particular combination of plastics really sort of utilitarian industrial production means it's really really good and what happens is it develops a relationship with companies. So, you know, famously, Andrew, you mentioned Fortis and Sin, mm-hmm. uh, also Tutima. Mm-hmm. Uh, as late as, like, 2001, these companies will only use the Lemania 5100 automatic chronograph. Purely that movement, and that's it. We're not using other
0: chronograph movements. Which is bizarre for how many are available in the market right now, that there's the they're siloing their design language to that movement. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And and,
1: and the reason they do there's a, there's a few good reasons for this, right? Um and some of this is legend. I don't have I don't have statistics on this stuff, but um th- there's a popular anecdote that a a 5100 movement can withstand 7g's of shock. I I've heard that. An In instant 7g's of shock and Because of the way it drives, it's a direct power to the chronograph. With a hit of seven Gs, the sweep on the second hand doesn't stop. And as far as I know, it's the only chronograph movement in existence, then or now, that can do that. Seven-year service interval, which is really good. It's really good by today's standards, was amazing. That's basically never serviced for an 80s produced watch. That's right. By 1973 standards, I mean, that is out of this world good. And so these companies are like, we can't send anybody out to the field with anything but this. Mm -hmm. This is the only watch that meets our military specifications. The only movement, excuse me. And they were pumping them out? Pumping them out. They sold a fuck ton of them. Maybe not as ubiquitous as the 7750 because of that Eight-year gap, though, damn close. Yeah, and the relationship with these utilitarian tool yeah. watch companies, Zen and Fortis and Tutema, mm-hmm. um, certainly
0: more ubiquitous in that military space. I, I think they the that workhorse uh, banger of a of a movement limited it. I think it could have been as ubiquitous as the seventy-seven fifty but i think because of its target market it lost out on the other opportunities so sadly and much to the chagrin of
1: the military watch community lemania discontinues the 7750 by 5100 a, yes the La Mania 5100 by about 2003 2004 it's gone there's some genetic successors i think mm-hmm. probably the most uh, significant one that I read about is the ETA CO1.211. I don't know a lot about ETA chronographs, um, but it's a genetic sex- successor. But it misses the most important thing, and we haven't mentioned this yet. One of the things that makes the Fifty One Hundred so special is the central seconds hand. Mm-hmm. So unlike basically every chronograph that exists today, and and then the Fifty One Hundred implements a minute hand that tracks your chronograph time so it's a four hander as that were i think it's actually a six or seven hander, seven seven hander but one of those hands is a central chronograph minute counter and 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 edda's done this with some modifications as well as edda um uh or as well as or as well as some other famous companies right so we see central minute counters oftentimes they're clicky this is just another minute hand that operates off the chronograph module mm-hmm. on the center, which makes timekeeping significantly easier and more accurate. Instead of having 30 minutes, you've got 60 minutes. Uh, and so all you have to do is look down. You've got a clearly designated minute hand that's keeping your chronograph time. So now you have seconds centralized and
0: minutes centralized,
1: which is which is a boon. I mean, if you can imagine using one of these in the field, that's a fantastic thing.
0: Yeah. Or in, in any under... In- under any amount of stress, yeah, that's a it's a really cool movement.
1: You know, I know some guys who will run in a chronograph, and and I have run in a analog chronograph before. I don't find it particularly pleasing because when you're running, everything's shaking. You look down, and you cannot read a subdial minute hand. Mm-mm. You just can't do it. So having that is really an, an effective thing. So this new caliber CO C01- one .211. Excuse that. And, and so there's some there's maybe a sentiment that that's actually an evolution of the 5100. They've made it more durable, more robust, cheaper yet. But I think really you get rid of the thing that makes the 5100 so cool. Yeah. And other than that it's gone. 5100 is no longer a going concern. Digital. So in light of the mandated title for this episode, I think we should talk pros and cons. Oh, yeah,
0: we should. We should get there.
1: Because I, I don't think there's a clear winner. I think our versus title that we've given you is probably a bit of a red herring. I think so. This is really a celebration of both of these movements. Yeah. But I think it's okay to talk about, you know, the pluses and minuses of either. Um, I think we could start with a really simple one. In favor of the 7,750. You can still get it. <laughs> brand yeah. new in box. You can still today get a 7,750. Now, 10 bajillion 5,100s were sold, and you can still find parts. They can still be serviced. They can still be repaired. You will be able to find parts for 5,100s from now until the end of time. That's not a concern. Yeah. But what you can't do is you can't pick up a brand new 5,100 movement and plop it in your watch.
0: True. I think that's a point for the seventy-seven fifty. I think that's a big point for the seventy-seven fifty. It survived. Now, now many of the seventy-seven fifty iterations that are available are either cost prohibitive or suck. There, there are uh, from from my my looking into them. There weren't many out there that were particularly appealing. Maybe just to me. You mean today? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, in the way of brand new in-box watches. Now, there there were some that were quite appealing, but they were also $12,000. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah, which is interesting because yeah. uh, a- another point we're going to give the, the 7750 is its relative thinness to the 5100. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't remember, the 5100 comes in at a whopping 8.2 millimeters. Well, the 7750 smokes it. Yeah. At seven point nine millimeters,
0: <laughs> both like that. Was that the call that Mike reviewed for Time Bum at the Globe? It, right. There's no way to read it. It's just it's just a space watch. It's
1: just a, it's just a watch. Yeah. yeah. It's just a lump of of metal and glass
0: on your wrist. Yeah. He, yeah. That's what they look like.
1: Yeah. Well, and and that's true. So these are both really, by today's standards, chunky movements. And and. and <laughs> some good reasons for that right part of their utility and part of their uh usefulness is the ability to work on them and part of that is that you're not cramming things in and the indelicacy of the parts used but yeah big watches man
0: yeah and, and the being that big it a pair of tweezers and and you can service this watch
1: yeah right it's like a ford 351c you know you mm-hmm. just sort of hop in the you hop in the canopy and pull the alternator out or whatever yeah. right yeah so a thing we just talked about 5100 uses central minutes
0: really cool
1: the layout I think generally favors a 5100
0: yes but and that the 5100 layout is preferable to all other chronograph layouts perhaps ever in the way of functionality readability it is superior.
1: And both the seventy-seven, both the seventy-seven fifty and the fifty-one hundred have had multiple iterations, but but generally the layouts are the same across the models, and that central second hand, or excuse me, central minute counter on the fifty-one hundred, I think is a is a significant is a mm-hmm. significant advantage.
0: That's a big big fifty-one hundred
1: point. Even though seventy-seven mods can can replicate or or come close to replicating that function today. Another point for the fifty-one hundred do it it's way tougher yeah i mean the 7750 is a robust movement by all accounts easy to work on i i've 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 read watchmakers describe it as a pleasure quote unquote pleasure to work on i think 5100 gets the same
0: treatment they just don't have to work on 5100s as often no cuz if you've if you've damaged your 5100 it, it's it's irreparably so it's a fucking tank
1: it was the pre G-shock G-shock in some really significant ways. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think that's right. I think that's right. This was the original tool chronograph, and for good reason. Both movements come with day date functions. I think that the 5100 is easier to implement. I don't know that that really gets me excited. <laughs> Both wind in one direction. So that's a tie. And both are really fucking ugly. Yeah. Both are really ugly. They're both huge.
0: They're 1980s Civic and Corolla, respectively.
1: That's right. So take your pick. Do you want the Accord or do you want the Corolla? You can only have one. Me? You can only have one. You know, I
0: I think I'd go 5100.
1: Corolla. Yeah. You're a Toyota man. I appreciate that about you. I'm also a Toyota man. Yeah. I'm also a Toyota man. I actually, in researching for this episode, found myself lamenting the loss of 5100 something. I've never—it's never occurred to me to lament. I'm sad.
0: Hopefully, they just put it on a shelf. Yeah.
1: Hopefully, Chuck still got it above yeah. the bathroom. Bunch. He's
0: he's just toddling around his house, <laughs> just just lamenting again that they've taken his project from him. Well, Andrew, I've exhausted my notes for this episode. What about you? That's, that's I mean, you, we, we've hit all the high points. We've hit the, we, we've hit what we wanted to hit. We celebrated these two huge movements. And I think our, for, for the watch community, have cult followings, which is like, that's ultra cult following. But largely in the watch world, I, I think people are aware of these movements and aware of the significance of these movements but not fully aware of just how significant they both were. And how lucky we are to have had them. Because they almost did not survive but and, for just a couple assholes who were like
1: nah. And in the case of the 7750 to have them. Yeah. To have them, right? Um you, you know, <clears throat> there's a there's a fellow in the Bay Area who I've run into at a couple meetups and he he's a great guy. Fantastic watch collector but one of the first things he ever said to me had to do with the 7750 and how it sucks because it's huge and i can appreciate that uh in in some meaningful ways uh but with that said it's sort of one of a kind still today if you want a cheap automatic chronograph you're that's, probably looking at a 7750
0: yeah and they're not cheap
1: yeah that's right that's right i and you can get them in cheap watches right uh i think the part in particular the used market for 7750s there are some gems to be had and Mm -hmm. same for 5100 right so uh that's not a that that's that's not a one-way street
0: i I was thinking cheap in the way of connotation they're inexpensive oh yeah and and you're gonna get a a lot of value knowing that that's what's powering your watch
1: yeah i do personally i'm a big fan
0: yeah yeah you love that watch it's not, I mean, it's not a particularly attractive watch. You
1: know, everybody hates this watch. But
0: it's a cool watch.
1: I love it. Yeah. I bought it. It was sort of an impulse buy. It's my second least favorite watch you have. Is my least favorite the Titanium G? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and these are two. They're probably two of my favorites, yeah. right? These two and the uh,
0: and the Pulsar. Yeah. I love the Pulsar. I don't like the Titanium G. And that just doesn't, that just doesn't do it for me. I like the watch. It's cool. I, I... I see I see what you see in it, but it, it doesn't do it for me.
1: Yeah, you know, you know, this watch is very much... So just, a, again, talking about the FA-18 Victorinox, uh, this is not part of the Victorinox Professional line, which was a thing in the late 90s, early 2000s, I think. This is not part of that Victorinox Professional line, but it's very much in line with that, that Pro line. I think that this was probably about an $1,100 watch when it was new, You can pick them up for five to seven hundred probably a little bit more on a bracelet today um i bought it and i was like that's a 7750 in a great looking package it's compact it's about 39 millimeters maybe 38 millimeters oh
0: it's it would be so great if it had a thin movement in it (laughs) (laughs) if this had an el primero it would be sick uh, I, I actually kind of like the chunkiness.
1: You know, I've been wearing it on this gray pebble, sort of a charcoal pebble from uh, Cascadia Strap Company, our friends in Portland. Um, and, and it wears really well on this strap, but I think I might put it on a NATO for a couple months, maybe a black NATO or something, um, just to... Just some more with wrist it. presence? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you, you know, that's that's a concern, right? Mm-hmm. Um I don't mind it, right? I don't mind the chunkiness, and, and and really, it's compact enough that it's not particularly huge. It fits under my shirt
0: sleeve. So I don't have anything else, buddy. That's it. We've covered it. We did it. Welcome you, to the world of the seventy-seven fifty and the fifty-one hundred. You know, we're not we're not experts at anything, right? No, we're not I'm even a, good at our real jobs. I'm an
1: expert on real property law. Andrew is an expert on law enforcement. And outside of that, we know shit about shit. I can, I can drink a good beer, though. <laughs> so there's a chance we got some stuff wrong. We certainly mispronounced names. We probably got years wrong at some point. Uh, feel free to chat with us. If it's important, we'll make the correction. Um, or just to say, hey, there's more to this story and you guys missed it. We love that. Uh, and, and if it's appropriate, we will will update this, this, uh, this episode. Or we won't. <laughs>
0: Andrew, other things, what do you got? I got a new thing. And it, it's something that has, uh, something of the like has been in my targeted advertising. And it's been in my uh, consciousness for some time. Um, but with all the trim work that I've been doing, <laughs> uh, I finally got a tool that I've been kind of like intrigued by. And- Is it a fest tool? No. No. Uh, and kind of excited about getting, but just haven't really had the reason to buy it. I got a contour duplication gauge. Tell me more. So what it is? Okay, I can see it. They can't see it. It is a ruler with some free sliding teeth, like it's a comb basically. And what you do is you take this ruler and oh. you and you you. Uh, no, imagine the things that you used to play with as a kid. For those of you who were kids in the 90s, that, like metal, box, that metal box that metal box you put your hand in and then you turned it over and it held the mold. Yeah. Okay, it is that. In two dimensions. In two dimensions for the purpose of measuring strange shapes and angles for which to cut things around. Oh, so, I'm feeling So you. what you do is you just place it against the weird object that you're having to cut against you create the mold you pull it back you use that mold as a stencil on your material and you cut it and i got one at lowe's i got like just the cheap right there on the shelf at lowe's like 16 bucks you can find nicer ones that lock and that are a little bit more robust for probably 20 to 30 bucks but they're not an expensive tool Uh, they're they're a fun tool because they're cool to just play with because all of us remember putting your hand on yeah. that metal pin thing and then your face on that metal pin thing and and forming it to your face. So that's what I have now, but for a quote-unquote face. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, so that's what we have now. And I I used it to cut some uh, threshold covers for tile to hardwood transition. Yeah. I used it to cut some trim pieces. I, I used it a lot. I used it on things it didn't need used on today. <laughs>
1: that's right that's a 45 andrew
0: yeah, yeah yeah no i'm familiar with that cut uh i, I my miter saw locks at that angle but i i'm gonna stencil that shit and use a and use a circular saw um, so yeah that's uh that's my other thing uh the one that i've i've seen a bunch of ads but i just i got the low special i have here pulled up um from a, a company called smart sacker sacker that's what it is sacker uh, and I think this is—I I think this is the one that has, I've had all the targeted ads for. Um, and honestly, it, it seems superior to the one that I have. It's a—it's it, a little bit more robust. It locks in place, which is nice. Yeah, you know, it looks like
1: it's got some screws or something. Uh, well, so
0: you can adjust the tension, but it also locks. So uh, you can—you can once your stencil is—is is made, you can lock it in place so you don't get any free-floating teeth while yeah. you while you adjust from one platform to the next. So this is. Uh, well, it says it's on sale from eighty dollars. <laughs> it's like, uh, but that's it's like Invicta yeah, sale. It's forty bucks. Yeah. So, eh, you know, right on the top end. But um, I think if you're doing any sort of tile or anything yeah. like that, that's tile fantastic. thresholds. Yeah, just anything, anything weird. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's it's worth worth taking a look at. And it, it's just kind of a fun tool to have, even if you're not using it it's a toy basically for me
1: you know i would say the one thing i see about that is it doesn't have a ton of depth i would like it if it was that looks to me like it's probably about six inches of usable Mm. depth maybe four i would like that if it was about 18 inches of usable depth
0: yeah but at that point you're like yeah sure that's a necessary amount
1: yeah well i'm thinking about like tile like cutting around uh, vent floor vents or something, but yeah, yeah. I I mean, eighteen's probably excessive. But. Yeah,
0: if you're if you're having to, I mean, I, I I see worlds where you're gonna have to cut more than six inches, but at that point, you should be using something else for your stencil. Good pick, I like it. Yeah, I've got
1: another thing. Do me. So I I've seen on Disney Plus, and and, and furthermore on like uh, uh Gizmodo or whatever websites I I'm on blogs and whatnot. Uh, mention of the new Marvel series, WandaVision, which is actually the names of, of two Marvel characters who fall in love and become romantic. It looks very weird. So I had the same feeling. I was like, this looks stupid. I don't get it. I don't get what they're trying to do. The way the trailers present this is Marvel characters in a 1950s sitcom sort of an I Love Lucy yeah. era sitcom. And, and that's not inaccurate for a little bit. Um, Took a flyer because the kids were into it. Betty in particular was like, I want to watch WandaVision. I was like, well, shit, man. If you want to watch WandaVision, I want to watch WandaVision. <laughs> is it sitcom or is it superhero-y? It, you got to watch it. Or is it, it neither? Too. It is both. And it's more superhero as we advance um it's phenomenal so i think we watched episode four tonight and i believe we're current uh and i cannot wait to watch the next episode hmm. it is amazing and i'm not going to tell you anything about it because anything i tell you will ruin it <laughs> it's that bad Uh, no, but the joy is in the twists. Okay. The joy is in the twists. Uh, it is totally delicious entertainment. I'm into it. I don't want to tell you too much. Uh, you're going to see characters that you didn't expect to see. They're going to be sort of sprinkled in really fucking good. Now, I like it. Talking to Will earlier, he says, I think I'll wait until they're all out. I don't think that's a terrible idea. If you're the type of person that just wants to binge, this is going to be a gas to binge, is my guess. I'm only four episodes in. And everybody is only four episodes in. With
0: that said, if you don't mind waiting a week. I do mind waiting a week.
1: Well, some people don't. That's It's not saying.
0: since Game of Thrones that I've had to wait a week between episodes. If you
1: don't, it really makes Betty mad, by the way. My child who has never experienced anything besides binge bingeability TV shows is really frustrated by she was like, They've already released they've already filmed these all. Dad, I read about it online. They've wrapped production. This is my lovely eight-year-old.
0: You know, these motherfuckers are holding out on us. Mark pitched a fit tonight about an ad. We were watching something on Hulu. He's like, Why do we have ads? I just want to watch my show. This is so dumb. I was like, I mean, You're not you, wrong. You're not wrong. But, <laughs> you know, back in my day, I used to have to run to the bathroom during commercial breaks. Uphill so, in the snow yeah. both ways.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, if if you don't mind that, in fact, if you kind of like it, and I kind of like it, uh, if you kind of like it, I recommend starting it right now. It is so good. So
0: interesting. I'm hooked. I, I wish that Disney was doing it the way or uh, Netflix does it? Just drop the whole season. Give it to me in one, in one swoop. I don't. You don't need to keep me interested. I, the the play button on my remote will keep me interested.
1: You know, I think there's got to be something to it, right? There's yeah. got to be something to it. Yeah. HBO has not gone away from that model, and HBO makes bucket loads of money, and so does Netflix. But Netflix has way more content than HBO, and HBO makes almost as much money. So,
0: yeah. And, and HBO is shelling out a lot more money. Yeah. So,
1: Andrew, anything you want to add before we go? No. No,
0: that's it for me. Well, thanks for coming over. Yeah.
1: Isn't that going to be fun when you could just walk across the street? To I record? know. We could, like, we're going to have some weird episodes. <laughs> hey, you guys. Thanks for joining us for this episode of 40 and 20, the Watch Clicker podcast. It's been really fun. Check us out on Instagram at 40 and 20, at Watch Clicker. Please also check us out on the website. Look, all the podcast episodes are on there. Lots of articles, reviews. I published, I republished an article that I wrote many, many moons ago on the SKX this week. I think it's great. Check it out. It's pretty okay. <laughs> if you want to support the show, you can do so at patreon.com 40and20. Access to our Discord where lots of good stuff happens. That's how we buy microphones, mixers, pay for all the hosting. We really appreciate it. And don't forget to tune back in next Thursday for another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye-bye.